For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Well, welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast, where we take a look at life, legacy, and leadership through the lens of sports officiating. Uh, as always, you can reach out to us at UncommonDrivePodcast at gmail.com. And today is a very special episode. Today is going to be a bonus episode of the Uncommon Drive as we have an uncommon conversation. And so, uh, Jeff, how you doing today? Uh, let us know and then introduce us to our special guest today. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you again, Chad. Um, it's, uh, it, it, I am great. I am uh, in the middle of getting the, the ultimate honeydew list done via the mother-in-law. So, <laughs> so, yeah, basketball. So it's the honey's we'll honeydew delicious. Oh, like yeah. And, and there's <laughs> nothing that can be put on hold for sure. So, uh, just trying to get all that stuff done before um, the season starts in a few weeks. So, yeah. Scoring you're points. Right. What's that again? Scoring some points. That's right. That's right. So, uh, before we, you know, get started into our podcast, I want to introduce our special guest. And you're right, Chad. We, we're, we're looking forward to this conversation. It's nice to have uh, another voice just plug into, um, I, I believe um, everyone is enjoying our content, but this this different voice is going to give it a, a, another special meaning. So um, I met this gentleman at a basketball camp, well, I probably met him refereeing basketball uh, a number of years ago, and I, I apologize for not remembering the, the date and time. I'm not, uh, I'm not very good at those numbers like some of our friends, Corky Schreiner is, but um, we met and then he invited me to come be a clinician at one of his uh, high school slash college camps. I think it was just a college camp then. And um, right away I knew that uh, this guy is going to be going to be part of officiating for a long, long time. And he already was, but he was, he was diving into um, good scenarios and not, can I just fill a game? Can I just fill this camp? And he wanted to be part of, um, you know, more of the solution 
then just adding to the problem. So, and, you know, I don't have his resume in front of me. I'm going to let, let him do that. But um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Kenny, Brian, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. It's Friday yes. and it's football season and I get to be uh, on the field at about seven o'clock. <laughs> only Not one game. Only only one game. And that's mm-hmm. the nice thing about football is it's just a uh, varsity football. You just have to focus on one game a week and get prepared for that. Whereas basketball's a grind. Yeah. A lot of games. Yeah. yeah, right. We, we actually talked about that a few podcasts ago about how, I wonder what it would be like if basketball referees only had a referee one night a week if we would be better, if we'd be fresher, or would we be not as good because we don't get as many reps in? So all those things come to come into our, our questions. So, hey, Brian, before we get started, um, just tell us a little bit about your background, your officiating background, personal background, and then uh, your professional background. Uh, sure. So for um, officiating, my, my father was a basketball and football official. So right away, there's this you know, father figure in your Mm -hmm. life that, you know, has these striped shirts in his closet. And what, 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 what do you do, dad, with this striped shirt? And there's different one for basketball and there's a different one for football. And I just remember being a kid going to watch my dad ref and getting to be on the sideline, helping with the down box for football and Mm. seeing these big players, um, you know, breathing, you can see their, you can see their breath in October and November. And I just thought, wouldn't this be cool if I could do this, especially if I could do it with my dad. And mm-hmm. so when I was a college student, um, I did a lot of, you know, rec recreation games. And when you do rec ball in the city of Milwaukee, you're going to learn real quick that people are going to argue with you and they're not going to see, they're not going to see things the same way you do. And so right away, I got high doses of things that were going to get me either out of the game or keep me in the game. And I always had my dad's support and I had some really good assigners. Um, there was a gentleman named Frank Cravello that is still doing a lot of assigning in Milwaukee for youth basketball. And there's a big, huge Catholic league in Milwaukee and they have a big, huge tournament called the Padre Sarah. And he's still assigning that. And he was a guy who gave me a lot of opportunities to get on the floor every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'd make $15 cash. I'd work three games in the morning and three in the afternoon, and I would be really happy. And then um, I was a a college student. I went to Marquette University, and I did a lot of officiating in the city of Milwaukee uh, on the freshman JV circuit, and then started to really explore curiosity about college basketball in like 1997, 98, 99. And then I started doing some junior college and a little bit of NAI and worked at some schools like Northland Baptist, which doesn't exist anymore. Northland Baptist Hmm. was way up, way up in North Eastern Wisconsin off highway eight. It was a small little Baptist college. And we used to go there and referee on weekends and and it was three person and it was decent college basketball. And then I went to a, a camp in Stevens Point uh, run by Dave Kelleher. And I met Mark Braden there. And Mark Braden was at the time the supervisor of officials for the WIAC. And he gave me my first shot. And I just have fallen in love with women's college basketball and the people that I've met and uh, the places that it's taken me. And I, I'm, I'm now in the 
the mode. I'm 50 years old and I'm so focused right now on giving back to the game mm. and training and developing younger talent and watching people grow to get to places where I was. Um, so I'm, I'm, I see my officiating career as I've had a chance to climb a, uh, several rungs on a ladder. And, and now I'm, I'm really hyper-focused on helping other people do that. So I would say that I'm a servant leader in officiating and, and I have a lot of people to thank and a lot of, I'm still reffing women's college. And, um, a couple years ago, I had a really significant knee injury. Uh, in 2014, I ruptured my patellar tendon refing football and, and that injury can put you out of all running for the rest of your life. And I, mm. I am, I'm a hard worker and I have a lot of grit and I did the rehab and worked really, really hard to get back on the floor. And at the, t at that time, I was also trying to grow my team building business. Um, I have a team building company and I, I decided in 2000. Um, 14 at the end of the season that I was going to just step away. And I stepped away from 2014 to 2021. So I almost was gone for about six, seven seasons. And then Sky Doberstein from the WIACU, who I have the ultimate respect for. He's just a great man. Um, mm -hmm. He, he asked me if I would uh, come back because there was just this shortage with COVID. And I, I thought about it and I missed it. I missed people like you. I missed all my friends that were officials. And I said, I, I can still serve the game. And I decided to come back and, and I've enjoyed it because I, I've met so many officials that I don't even know because I was away for so long that I thought this is a great place for me to meet all these people that I have not seen because I haven't refereed. And, mm. and I see officials that are, now leaders on the floor that were coming to camp that were just learning. And it's like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah in so a nutshell, that's my story. You know, And you're, you know, you've said you went on many, you know, up many different ladders and many different runs. And now you're, I don't want to say that you're on your way down, but you're taking those steps, maybe not necessarily up in the game at the same or going down in the game but you're going up a different ladder in your elevation to help uh, develop younger officials and help give back to the game to make the game just as great as it was when you first started. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really kind of falling in love with the concept of assigning. Oh. I, I really like, um, I assign a couple of uh, JUCO schools. So I assign MATC, uh, Madison's men, men's and women's officials. And then I assign, uh, men's officials at Bryant and Stratton. And I also do some assigning at just the game field house for high school basketball, but I really like assigning because it gives me the opportunity to not only help develop a talent pool by running camps and clinics, but also giving them opportunities and pairing them up with the right seasoned veterans so that because we know what happens in, in basketball officiating. We get people in the door, we give them resources and we support them. And for whatever reason, after about two or three seasons, they, they might lose interest. And I don't want to see that happen. I want people to 
be recognized for the talent that they possess. And I want to cultivate their talent and pair them with people that are going to grow their talent, not squash it. And I love that. That's just a servant leader in me. I, I really enjoy see, seeing people have success the same way that I did. And I don't think that's um, something that I would have thought about when I first got into college basketball because I was so focused on climbing the ladder. Mm. Now, I'm, now I'm focused on something totally different. And I would almost say you're still focused on climbing the ladder, just a different ladder. It's a different one. Yeah, it's just a, mm-hmm. it's a great way to look at it, Jeff. It's just a it's a different ladder and it gives me the same, the same high, right? The same mm-hmm. euphoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of addicting. And I yeah, have, an addictive, I have an addictive personality. So I, I, I want to be addicted to things that are, are good, not things that are bad. I, I would argue that most people enjoy the dopamine hit that they get from whatever it is they're addicted to, whether it be officiating or, chocolate cake <laughs> you know what i mean hanging hanging out with their kids whatever that is that gives them that dopamine push and as you say the euphoria so that it's is you just want to you want to try and achieve that feeling night in and night out yeah it's awesome when you get a text message or an email or a phone call from a younger official that they've just disclosed to you you know thank you for believing in me and giving me chances mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. And, and somebody did that to me. So I'm going to pay it forward. Um, and I think that's, that's just my leadership style. You know, um, I'm going to, I know Chad, you've got some questions here, but I, it just brought a thought to my head. I had a discussion with a, a coordinator in our area who, uh, who just announced her retirement. Randy Fox just announced his retirement. And I was having a conversation with him after that. And he, he had said, that he had a, a conference call with the coaches from each league and both not at the same time, but two different meetings and both meetings where the coaches and the commissioner were very thankful and, and, you know, we we're going to be sorely missed and, you know, all these things. And Randy was saying, uh, you know, that it felt really, really good. And, you know, it just, it did not necessarily brought a tear to his eye, but it felt like, you know, okay, his, his work did not go unnoticed and it felt appreciated. And I saw it as this is, this is a problem. I think that we have as a community in general, we wait till it's too late to say those things. We wait until they're gone or they're leaving. Or we say all these nice things at funerals or at retirement parties. When, why aren't we saying those things on a daily or a weekly basis to those people that are having a positive effect as an officiating? You know, it's interesting you brought up um, Randy's name because Randy is someone that I've, I've, I've refereed with Randy and I've also done a lot of leadership work with Randy Mm -hmm. and he's inspiring. And I got the chance. I I have the best story about Randy Fox is I got a chance to work the final four with Randy and MJ Wagonson and MJ is one of the, one of the best. And so I was on a great crew. And I remember looking up and seeing his entire family there. And, um, you know, at the time we were, we, we were going to have a baby and I just, I was by myself and I, I knew that I could hand the ball to Randy and designate him to throw the ball up. Mm. And so here's my one shot to be the referee 
on a, you know, an NCAA division three final four, and I might not get another chance. And I handed the ball to Randy as an act of, you know, humility and servant leadership. And I said, here, you throw it up. Your, your family's here watching, go ahead. It's, and I, I remember reading that in his book. He talks about that story all the time. Talk, yeah. Talks about that in mm-hmm. his book. And there's one servant leader to another, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, Scotty Doberstein, I get a chance to talk to Scotty Doberstein's students because he's a head athletic trainer at UW lacrosse mm-hmm. and he teaches on campus. And I'll see some of his former students when I time track and field meets and I know that they've gone to UWL and I'll ask them. So did you have Scotty Doberstein as a professor? Oh, he was my favorite one. He is so good. He is so good because he tells stories and he's real and authentic. And those are my favorite kind of people to be around are people that are storytellers and people who are authentic. And, and that's, that's Randy. Mm-hmm. He's very authentic. And uh, I, call, I call that leaving our legacy, right? Scott, he's, he's working on his legacy and we always, you know, I feel like that's something we lose track of, but me personally, I'm always trying to be mindful of that. How is this going to affect my legacy? You know, what I'm about to do, is it going to, you know, negatively or positively affect my legacy. So those are, those are how I make difficult decisions. And I want to understand that, you know, my legacy is, is important to me. And the, the way people talk about me when I'm dead is going to be, is very, for whatever reason is, is, has impacted me on how I live my life, I guess. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's kind of interesting that you say that because uh, when people are talking about us when we're dead, we won't hear it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we won't hear it. Well, little do you know, I've got the inside track. So I'm, I got this little, I got, the, I've talked to Elon Musk. He says I can be able to hear it. So <laughs> good, good luck with that one. I know, right. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Where are you at, buddy? Well, hey, Brian, I, I love the, the idea of what you do with team building. I was involved with a group in Kansas City that did team building with uh, corporate educational groups, not for profits, that kind of thing. And uh, for people that, that haven't been a part of that, it's, uh, it, it's really eye-opening. It, it shows a lot of individual strengths and weaknesses. It shows strengths and weaknesses within, within the group. But one of the things that we'd really like to ask about today is, you know, as you look at, at team building in some of those areas that you work in, how do you see that relating to the world of officiating? You know, how, how do we see ourselves as a team? How do we become better teammates? Um, as officials, whether it's one time on the court uh, or on the field uh, or over the course of a season, we might see different officials multiple different times. That's a great, great question, Chad. And I've been thinking about, I knew you were going to ask me about this. So um, (laughs) one of my favorite people to listen to right now is Paul Diaspara from Crown Refs. And Mm -hmm. Paul, Paul always has really good messages And one of the things that he talks about that I just love is when you first encounter somebody new that you haven't officiated with, instead of asking them about their background and about, you know, what camps did you go to? You know, what dues have you paid to get to this place? How's your family? How are your kids? If you know that they have kids. And my number one thing when I do team building is to establish the mindset of positive and meaningful connections, relationships. Uh, relationships are so important and nobody wants to listen to or learn from a jerk, right? 
people want to listen to and learn from people who have a positive growth mindset. So I love doing activities that get groups connected and get them to understand their, their assets versus their deficiencies, because we're so hyper-focused on, you know, deficit mindset that I want to flip that script and get people to understand that if you're struggling with something, somebody else is too, and you don't have to struggle alone. Mm. I think that really hurts teams. So everybody, you know, in officiating, we have U1, U2, and, and we have referee. So we have these positions. But at the same time, we're all there to do the same job. So we have to establish the fact that, uh, you know, everyone is growing and we have to get people to, you know, work collaboratively and set aside these positions that we have. And, you know, I don't expect a brand new official to be a master at shot clock management. So as a veteran, I can teach them how important that shot clock is and how important it is to learn uh, that you're, we're all out here to do the same job, right? It's not, I'm the U2, so I'm, I'm going to do one third of the job managing the shot clock. No, no, you, you have to do all of it. Uh, and, and yes, there may be mistakes, but if we have a growth mindset, we can give people resources and we can help them learn little tips and tricks. I love that. I love being able to give teams that I'm doing workshops with little tips and tricks and then see the light bulb go on and the aha moments. And they start to think, Oh yeah, that makes sense. I, that can help our team. Yes. <laughs> you can help your team with the right mindset. You can help anything. You know, I know well, it, one of the things that typically happens within the idea of, of team building is you have a, a, you might have a group that you're working with and there are a couple outspoken, clear leader types. And maybe those leader types are because of the position they've got. Maybe those leader types are just because of their natural personality, whatever that might be. Uh, but then sometimes you have people kind of over on the sidelines and they're watching, they're observing, and they, they rarely want to interject. Uh, you almost have to pull information out of them to get them to, uh, to participate. And uh, one of the things that Jeff and I have talked about on the podcast before is this idea, you, you brought up the idea of a, a referee, uh, a U1, a U2. In baseball, we would talk about it as a, you know, a crew chief uh, mentality that would happen um, on, on a baseball field. Uh, and a football crew, you know, like you're talking about tonight, you know, the white hat, you know, who's, who, who's the person that everybody looks at as the, as the, the point person. How do you, as, as one of those people that, that maybe tends to stay to the outside, maybe that person that has a YouTube mindset, and by that, I mean, they're not stepping up and taking 100% of the ownership. They're, they're not doing some of those kinds of things. How does somebody like that begin to garner the courage necessary to step up when it matters, you know, the, the R and the U1 are out there and everybody's together and we're getting ready to go do this. And U2 knows we're getting to do the wrong thing. We're, we're about to, to implement this rule incorrectly. We're, we're about to adjudicate something in a way that's, that's going to hurt us down the road. How do you begin to help people find the courage to step up and find their voice in those kinds of moments? 
So we know that when somebody is new at something um, or maybe they're just not that natural leader. So like I'm the whitehead on our football crew. And one of the things that I do as that leader is I want I want to grow the confidence and I want to minimize overthinking. Right. Those are two things that can get stolen from people very quickly. I mean, there's a book that I just absolutely love called Twin Thieves by Steve Jones. And the book is basically the framework or the book is there. There's these two thieves in life. I'm going to steal your thoughts and I'm going to steal your, your mindset, your thinking. So if I can grow somebody's confidence and I can grow their ability not to overthink and to develop that positive growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, then we're going to make, we're going to make some traction. And the, the way that we do that on our football crew in particular, because football is kind of a unique sport because you have five people that need to function. We use five person um, crews in Wisconsin. You have to get all of us to function together and we give people roles. I give, I empower everybody on our crew. So we have somebody that does a scouting report. We have somebody that communicates with the athletic directors and communicates with game management. Um, we have somebody that um, does five question rules quiz every week. Mm. And we have, um, I make the schedule as the crew chief and I manage all of our video and huddle. And then we have another person on our crew that organizes all of our clips. And when we do that, it gives everybody a voice. And when you have a voice, then you're no longer silenced. And when you're silenced, you're siloed to that fixed mindset. So I think the best way for us to grow officials is to, you know, instill some sense of responsibility and, and do it with a positive attitude. So that way people are, are going to develop their confidence. And when you develop your confidence, there's just so much that can happen from there. I mean, confidence is, you can see a lack of it too with body language. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's not confident at something, their body language is going to, you know, it's going to tell it. It's going to give tells. So I watch for that too. I watch for people's body language and I just think we have to be patient. It's an, an uphill climb on a icy glacier hill with roller skates. <laughs> Got to be patient and we can't expect people to, to be a, an, an R in their mindset of how they officiate when we know they're a U2. And that's just, that's just how we have to operate. I would even argue that, cause you said you're watching body language. I believe everyone does that. The mm -hmm. difference is you are taking notice that you're doing it. There's, yeah. you know, Good those, point. those, those unconfident people, the people with less confidence are still taking, they're watching everyone's body language, but they're so um, introverted or, or less confident that they don't have time to focus on someone's body language on what it's, what it's giving them. So when you see someone, um, you know, whether that's a YouTube or, or a newer official, and they're struggling, you know, how can they not see that this coach is elevated because they see it, but they can't identify it because they're still struggling in rules 
knowledge, mechanics, you know, I don't know this position. My wife just yelled at me before I walked on the field, whatever the scenario is. So they see it, but they can't identify it. So, um, you know, if, if you could just, since you're agreeing with me, I love that you're agreeing with me. I want you to give, give me a, 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 a tool or a practice that I can do to help someone that I, that I am recognizing as having bad body language, a partner of mine, how do I bring out the good body language out of them so they can recognize other people's body language? How do, how do I do that? You have an idea? So I'll give you a, a really good example. Um, there's a, there's a, a guy on my football crew um, that is the yin to my yang. So I'm, I'm a type A personality. I'm very intense. And he is just the opposite. He's very mellow and he's a type B personality. He's more introverted. And he is so good with being patient with coaches and walking them back to the sideline and saying, coach, please walk with me. We can talk, but only if you walk back towards the sideline. Whereas I, I learned so much from him in his introverted approach to game management that it makes me better in my not so introverted approach to game management. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah we, have we, an, we have an opportunity to learn from someone that we think is who is opposite of us, who we think is not as good as. But if we really pay attention to what they're doing, we have that opportunity to learn from it and not necessarily take it step by step from that person, but implement certain mannerisms, certain conversations, certain body language into our game. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I just think that that's that's so important to honor that in another person, because then they're not going to feel that they have to change to be like you. Mm -hmm. That's our worst mistake in leadership is someone is not like me in their approach. So I'm going to give body language that they will look at and say, I can't talk to this person because they want me to be like them and I can't be authentic and be myself. So I try really hard. uh, Like for example, the umpire on our football crew, when he first started with us, he was always wanting to respond to coaches who were yelling and and he believed that he was being yelled at. And we, we always have this mindset, let the sideline officials manage sideline issues. Don't respond to that. Don't take it personal. And fast forward, he's been with me for 10 years. He's so good at just letting that go, right? Letting those, those, those voices that are coming from the sideline, Mm-hmm. He trusts, he trusts in the system now that the sideline officials will take care of sideline issues. That's why we put them there. We put them on the sideline because they have the best skills to handle their sideline. Kind of like uh, if, if you're directing traffic and you're doing it the right way and all the traffic is flowing properly and you're a crossing guard and you're at your, you got your A game, you want to not be disrupted in doing that process. So we just let the sideline officials handle their business and empower them 
And then that way, the people in the middle of the field don't have to worry about it. We don't have to overthink what's going on over there because we have this system developed and we trust people. Trust, I think self-trust and trusting others really helps people grow their confidence in their roles. And I, I do that with team building too. Yeah, I'm going to go to your crossing guard scenario. And it just, the, a crossing guard is perfect at being a crossing guard if they can pay attention to being a crossing guard. Yeah. If they have to worry about who's opening the door for the kids that they just helped got across the street and they have to open the door for them to get in, they're going to be a lesser crosser guard, lesser mm -hmm. crossing guard. So that same scenario applies for an umpire. That umpire is going to be a lesser of an umpire if they're worried about what sideline officials are supposed to be taking care of. If they're worrying about those scenarios, that's going to take away from their main goal is to be a good umpire. So I, I, I let, you know, how can we, how can we put that into basketball though? How can we look at that? Because basketball is a little bit different, right? You know, we still have, you know, we're rotating across the floor and all over the floor in different positions. Every time we blow the whistle, we, we switch and, and those kinds of things. So how, how, what's that look like for a basketball? I think, I think in basketball, um, when someone's, when someone's rattled, when there's a difficult decision to make, like let's say there's a technical foul or there's a, uh, a, a layered play when you're the, when you're the strong leader on the crew, you can come over to that person and you can just start probing them for information. Okay. We got a technical foul, right? Okay. Um, we got num number 42, right? Okay, so we're going to shoot two free throws down here. No, we're going to shoot one free throw down here. What? Um, tell me more about the technical. What? What happened? And get them to just kind of calm down and get that calming influence to take place during uncalm. I don't know if that's a word. Uh, <laughs> not so calm scenarios, so that people can learn that even in chaos, we can still respond calmly we just might need people to help us like i like to be that person that just comes and asks questions right i start i'm i'm a curious human being so do we have a technical fall who's it on okay we got a player technical okay so is it a dead ball or a live ball it's dead ball okay so well what are we going to do next and i just like asking questions mm -hmm. during chaos because it calms everybody down I just think that I watch good officials. Um, I used to have season tickets for about two seasons um, for G League games, uh, the Wisconsin herd. And I always watch the officials and their, their mannerisms with difficult players. They just never get rattled. Mm. So we just know that a younger official in, you know, division three basketball is, is going to probably get rattled. And as a veteran, I want to take the rattle away so that I can give them skills to not be so rattled, like be the calming influence. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes yeah, perfect sense. I, I would even say, ask the questions that you know, they know the answers to. Yeah, that's great. So, right. So if I, I, I don't want to ask them a question like, you know, um, well, where was 25? Did 25 come off the bench? Okay, listen, you, you're not helping me there, right? <laughs> if that person's rattled, ask them questions that they know the answers to, and you know the answers to for the most part. So that will get them in that, you know, okay, I'm good. I'm back to normal again. 
And now we can come in with a difficult question, like with 22 off the bench. So sorry, Chad, go ahead, buddy. No, you're good. And yeah, I want to kind of land the plane here, Brian, because I've heard some really key things from you that I'd love to kind of make sure that I lay out for our listeners here. You know, the one thing you've, you've talked multiple times about, you know, a positive growth mindset. So a growth mindset versus, hey, I've, I've learned everything I need to learn. I'm, I'm where I need to be, but constantly learning, constantly growing. I, I loved that, that part of it. This idea of, of trusting our teammates. Um, sometimes that's tough. You know, sometimes we go out on a court with people that we, we maybe haven't worked with before. Uh, and that can be, that can be difficult. Um, but, you know, trusting the system that we've been taught, trusting what to do is, is key. And then as a leader, empowering and giving confidence uh, to those people that we're called to work with. There's a reason that you're a signer. You talked about that, that assigning process. There's a reason that a signer puts you on a crew. And there's a role that you have to fill. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to bring up a lot of things with, with some of our listeners. Brian, if, if people had additional questions for you, is there a, a good place for them to connect with you? Is there a way for them to, to reach out to you with questions or maybe even about your, your leadership business that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my personal email is uh, Brian Kenny. It's B-R-I-A-N-K-E-N-N-E-Y 98 at gmail.com. Or they can, uh, they can send me a text message. Uh, my cell number is 608-448-9034. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.